Holy shit! We are back after a long-ass hiatus. It is Watching with Hindsight, Westworld Season 1. I need to get this completed before Season 2 shows up. Now, thankfully, I might have the rest of the year before that actually happens, which is kind of sad. But before we get into that, we get a little word from one of our fantastic Quest and Network sponsors. Oh, Pedro loves tuning Japanese. What say you, my friend Menchi? And I guess I'm here too. If you're looking for wacky reviews of anime, check out Tuning Japanese. A podcast where three dudes in their 30s talk about anime. Only on the Questionable Endeavor Network. Do they drink too? Not a little bit. I do. <laughs> yeah, check out Tuning Japanese on the Quest End Network, questendnetwork.com. They are just about ready to wrap up Trigun and should be moving on to something else. I don't know what they're moving on to. Uh, if they take my suggestion, no one will listen to the show anymore. So with that, let's get into it. It's episode three of Watching with Hindsight, Westworld. We start this episode off with the amazing title sequence. We open with Dolores sitting in a room. So we know here that this is the diagnostic room under the church. Uh, so we know that this is Arnold who comes walking in. He asks Dolores if anyone else has spoken to her. In hindsight, take a drink. Bernard would be able to access a log of everyone who talked to Dolores. So this isn't just his normal, like, kind of strange paranoia here. This is because of the fact that somebody might be accessing her that he doesn't know about, and this is Arnold doing some crazy shit. So um, his paranoia here is for a good reason. He presents her with a gift. Arnold says he used to read this book to his kid. It's Alice's Adventures in Wonderland. We don't know that this is actually true, or if this is just his way of trying to bring sentience to Dolores. Watching now, it's very clear that Jeffrey Wright does change the way he plays Arnold and Bernard, uh, which I thought was really, really, it's, it's subtle, but it's there. Dolores asks where Arnold's son is. So he responds, nowhere you would understand, which obviously, you know, if, if the kid's just dead, you can clearly say he's dead. But instead, the nowhere you would understand tells me most likely a hospital or that the kid is actually recovered, doesn't die, and is still alive and well, but is probably unlike New York City, which would also be somewhere she wouldn't understand. He runs a diagnostic to see why Dolores asks about his son. Dolores just says, eh, you know, we've been friends for a long time. Cut to present time, I guess, and Dolores is up. It's present time because we see that the bartender Abernathy is here instead of original Abernathy. Dolores opens a drawer and finds a gun that she found in the previous episode, the first episode, one of the first two episodes. Uh, so one that Ford provided to her. She hears Arnold's voice and remembers William raping and killing her. She opens the door again and we see that the gun is, is now gone. So now we have shifted over to past Dolores. Yeah. And now we get confirmation of that because it's McPoyle William. Clem is outside the whorehouse and of course we don't see Maeve because she is not there at this time period 30 years ago. My guy, this this series really dropped a lot of hints here because on the surface you're just like, oh, Clem's just working outside, maybe it's probably inside. But if you think about it, you're like, oh no, no, this is this is 30 years ago because Clem is, is leading the whorehouse and Maeve is not here. She's off being a settler wife. Or at this point, maybe she's not, not created yet. I don't, maybe she's not created, I'm not sure. 
William is looking at some wanted posters, posters, not posters, when a dude who is just arrested goes on a shooting spree. Uh, William just kind of kicks back and, and watches. Uh, a guest points a gun at this dude, and we can tell it's a guest because the dude doesn't instantly shoot him. Um, and also the fact that the dude takes Clem hostage. Williams gets a shot in the chest, but William gets his revenge and shoots the guy in the back and kills him. There's a great bit of, of world building here as we see that in very certain situations, guests can actually be shot, they can be hurt, they just can't be killed. So Clem offers to bone down with McPoyle, but he turns her down. Out comes Logan scratching his diseased junk, and Logan drops again that William will be married very soon to Logan's sister. Uh, he also kind of talks about the fact that, yeah, you know, we can we can be hurt, we can be shot, we just can't be killed. What fun would it be if the guys can't shoot back? So again, you know, very important, obviously, to to set the ground rules of, hey, this isn't like a, a you're not going to leave without a couple of bumps and scrapes. We head to the control room as Bernard comes in. Teresa catches up with him. Bernard says he got a late start today, which is a way to cover up that we're watching different timelines. They do this a lot in this episode, but also in the series as a whole, where the, the placement of episodes and some of the dialogue, which are is just kind of throwaway dialogue, but kind of kind of says it's okay, well we, we think that we're watching something in a linear format here. So um, obviously Bernard and Dolores met together, but it's not really Bernard Bernard, but we want the people to think it's Bernard. So how do we do that? Oh, I know. Have him come in and just say, I got a late start. But that, those two things have nothing to do with each other because they happen 30 years apart. Teresa says that Ford has begun work on his new storyline and Elsie is doing diagnostic work on Rebus, who is Simon from The Walking Dead. She is doing analysis to see about Walter and his crazy milk meltdown from the last episode. First episode, I think. No, that was that was the first episode. This is the problem with doing this like a year or half a year apart from each other, um, because I don't remember everything as I should. I remember a lot of stuff about the series, don't get me wrong, but the little bits like that, eh, I'm working on it. Um, she says sees that Walter calls it Arnold. Bernard tries to explain away Arnold, of course, because I'm sure he's programmed with any reference that anybody makes of Arnold to be like, mm, no, it didn't exist. Elsie sees that the six hosts William shot, or Walter shot, were ones that had killed him in previous storylines. Uh, so are they, they're holding grudges now, which is great. Good. Uh, we see that there is a straight host just kind of milling about. Bernard tells Elsie to handle it, and kind of a dick to her, says, do something that's actually in your job description. Because obviously her kind of, you know, talking to Rebus and, and still going down this path that is supposed to be kind of closed, not really part of it. So Elsie fucks off. Um, we see that Elsie and Stubbs are heading out into the wild, and Stubbs is packing. He is the Will Smith of the this iRobot world of ours. Teddy Flood arrives to talk to Simon... And this guy's not important, so I didn't really learn him. Kind of looks like Tom Hardy, though. Simon draws, but gets put down by Teddy and his guest friend. Teddy and the guest friend enter the Mariposa. So now we've kind of set up where these people have kind of been heading. They pay off Maeve, who remembers seeing Teddy naked and dead. And Clem tries to fuck the guest, who goes for it. Enjoy yourself, sister. Dolores starts her morning routine, and since Eddie's, Eddie, jeez, Teddy's charge is off getting uh, her bunch, God, Jesus Christ, there's a, a truck that started up in the background because he's a fucking cunt, since Teddy's charge is off getting, getting her box munched, he is free to hit on Dolores. 
they enter their normal story arc. Not much of note here, just that it shows the infinite loop that these two are on. Uh, we are sort of tricked here because Dolores makes it sound like she is diverting from her narrative, but actually Teddy's just designed to keep her there, and this conversation has happened a shit ton of times. We're talking, you know, like her saying, oh, well, you know, you, you're saying sometimes, but, but maybe let's just do it now. She does this almost every single time they have this conversation. But they head back to back to uh, Dolores' home, and somebody is fucking up New Abernathy. We cut to Black, and we hear a scream and some shots. Back from Black, and we get to watch an eye being created in the lab. It's being put into Teddy. Ford is waxing poetic as he is explaining that, you know, Teddy has a mysterious backstory and admits that it's because they never actually wrote one for him. Ford has decided he's actually going to write him one now, and he gives Teddy the name of Wyatt, who we know is actually Dolores, but in this case, in Teddy's mind, it's being presented as a bearded dude uh, that it takes the place of, it kind of takes, takes over for Dolores in, in his memory. Cut to the player piano and Dolores is gallivanting around. Rebus is hitting on her and he has a guest with him. They want to tag team her. Teddy arrives to break it up. Not sure why this guest is wearing a white hat since he's playing a bad guy here. Maybe he's never watched a, a 1940s western. Eh, I don't know. So Rebus decides to move on because the guy's like, I wanted something easy. Well, you're, you walked out of a whorehouse. That's like the easiest thing you can do there. But if you want to rape somebody like a fucking sick bastard, then yeah, sure, I guess this one would be a little bit tougher. So, um, Teddy is, is showing Dolores how to shoot, and we get a big reveal in three, two, one. Uh, Dolores can't shoot a gun. So another key world world building scene here, um, which of course, you know, Westworld is really good about showing and then telling to clarify. Uh, they could just do an exposition dump on here, but instead we get this scene where we get the idea that, hey, you know, certain guests, or it's not guests, certain hosts are not able to actually use any weapons at all. The sheriff rides up with a female guest from before, saying they found Wyatt. So now Teddy has to, of course, drop everything he's doing with Dolores and go right back and uh, take care of the guest here. And Teddy says he has to leave and take down Wyatt. The next scene shows us a continuation of what we just learned because there are six dudes around a dead campfire. They're all arguing about who should chop some wood because none of them can grab the axe and get wood. The dude that was authorized to use the axe is a dude who walked off earlier. The stray has been carving idols as Elsie and Stubbs both kind of both see that he's made a couple of different uh, animals and stuff like that and carved some shit into their back. Uh, if memory serves, this is actually like the beacons for where this dude needs to go in order to send the date off to Teresa, but I don't think I was ever kind of clear on that. So hopefully by the time we get to that explanation, it'll be a little more clearer. Teddy gives a bunch of exposition on Wyatt. Not really important, as we know it's all bullshit. Uh, the scene we see of Wyatt murdering everyone is not accurate as well, because this is the scene where Teddy and Dolores kill everyone before killing Arnold. So they happen upon some dead dudes. One of them decides to jump scare the guest, because he's alive. We hear some crazy shit in the background before shots are starting, starting to get fired. And it takes a zombie dude who just jump scared her and some other random dude. Another host dies as a guest runs off he wants to leave but uh so teddy opens fire in order for the door to allow the guests to leave but the woman doesn't go with him or doesn't go with the other guest she goes with teddy 
Cutover and Stubbs is playing with a 3D map. He and Elsie are given chase to the uh, the stray. Stubbs tells her that, that, that she is looking at Orion, and because she's fucking dumb, she believes him, because that's not Orion. This carving has four stars, and I thought it was pretty, pretty much common knowledge that Orion has three stars in it. Stubbs also jokes about being a host. There's still a chance he is. I'm just saying. It would be very interesting if next season we find out. Bernard beats up with Ford. Ford is annoyed because Lutz has covered up a host. Ford proceeds to go off on this dude, uh, saying things like the robot can't get cold or modest. He then cuts into the dude's face. The robot, not his employee. There would be some, some OSHA issues there. Um, just kind of reinstating again that, hey, hosts are not, they're not real people. Bernard isn't happy, and they enter Ford's office, which comes equipped with the heads of his enemies and a dude playing a piano at all times, anytime he comes walking in the room. Bernard brings up what is going on, and of course Ford dismisses him because this is all he's doing anyways. Ford plays dumb about Arnold. Ford hands Bernard a picture of two people, Ford, a dude, and a blank spot, which we know actually has Arnold standing there, but because this shot is from Bernard's perspective, doesn't look like anything to him. We see young Fords overseeing production of the first robots, and we see Elon Musk's slam piece walking with a parasol and armistice dancing with a guy, so uh, clearly kind of showing that hey, some of these people have been here for quite a while. Arnold makes a pyramid on chalkboard to show the idea of the bicameral mind, and it's the, the introduction to self-thought and consciousness, I'm talking about the groundworks that need to be laid. Now, this, this pyramid is different from what we'll see in, in other episodes um, in terms of the bicameral mind, because if I remember correctly, it's Arnold who, um, who makes the circle, it's Ford who makes the triangle. So, um, you know, they both kind of have the general same idea, but I guess they decide to use different shapes, but also different kind of groundworks for it too. Ford tells Bernard that Arnold died. Ford tells Bernard the hosts are not real, and he should not make the same mistake Arnold made. Uh, then I think here he gives him a voice command, because he says the death of your son Charlie still weighs heavily on you. The way he says it, and the fact that it doesn't really really sound as natural as, as it should, tells me that, that this is probably something put into him. So Bernard walks away without saying another word, uh, you know, kind of like his mind just got wiped of all, all concerns. Uh, Bernard is then seen talking to a woman who either is a host or is a memory that's been implanted into his head that was actually Arnold's memory, um, or it's just somebody that they get to play. I don't think it's somebody that it can't be somebody that they get to like play it or whatever that, but so it's either either it was an Arnold memory or it's it's a host that he that he literally has contact with. They talk about Charlie. Uh, again, like I said, so you know, uh, Bernard's backstory is that Charlie died. I still think there's a chance that Charlie is not dead, and I actually will talk about it later who I actually think Charlie is, because I think we have met this person. Elsie and Stubbs have been outside all day. Elsie takes a leak, but is interrupted by the stray. The stray is trapped in a chasm. Uh, I also think that Stubbs steps in her pee on his way over as she is spooked by the stray. Teddy is seen trying to track down Wyatt. The female guest trips on a wire and this calls the masked Wyatt men to them. They kill the shit out of the sheriff as the guest screams, Oh my fucking God! Which is a great line. Teddy and her open fire, but nobody dies. She fucks off as they swarm Teddy and they stomp his ass. 
Stubb does, Stubbs does some spelunking, as Elsie calls Bernard. This is why I think that Ford said what Ford said was a command, because why would Bernard just fuck off home? We clearly see his phone is sitting on a table at his home, and he's nowhere to be found. So it seems like that command was just like, go home, shut yourself down. Because the next scene that we get is we get Arnold coming down to talk to Dolores. Now we know that what we saw, where the phone was and everything like that, was not the church. It was also, you know, clearly we're, we're not watching Bernard to go and talk to, to Dolores. We know this is Arnold because of the setting that we have here. Um, but like I said, this is what really makes me think that, um, that that was another command there. Because we obviously we know Bernard's a host, but... Um, we don't know a lot of the programming and what he, he has to, you know, what, what things that Ford is able to say to him. So I think this one was, uh, so Arnold is talking to Dolores and he seems to be regretting trying to make Dolores sentient. Arnold cuts her script shit out of the conversation and he says that she should imagine there are two versions of herself. There are actually three different ones that we're watching here, uh, but she says there's only one version of herself, the, the true one that she's going to find out. So Arnold decides to let this play out and see where it's going to go. Back in town and Dolores sees the Black Host return. He says that he's sent for the Rangers, but that Teddy is, you know, probably dead. Dolores makes it home to see that someone is fucking up New Abernathy again. She's alone this time, and she, she kind of starts talking like there's somebody with her, but then realizes nobody's with her. She goes up and Rebus grabs her. She glitches out and sees old Abernathy lying on the ground instead of new Abernathy, and Rebus decides to take her to the barn. Dolores was able to swipe his gun from him, though, and before she got thrown to the hay, she points it at him, and we know that, you know, she can't shoot a gun, so she's pretty fucked here. Nope. She breaks her programming after seeing William standing in Rebus's place. She blows Rebus away. She then runs over, and another one of Rebus's guys sees her, shoots her right in the gooch, but we also see that this is just a memory. So she knows exactly what's going to happen next. She does kind of a final destination thing. Hey, call back to what, what I'm doing on the other side. Um, so she instead fucks off on a horse. Back with Stubbs and Elsie, and Elsie puts the stray in sleep mode as Stubbs traverses down into the gulch. He pulls out a knife, and he attempts to cut the thing's neck to behead it, but it leaps back into gear. It beats the fuck out of Stubbs here. The stray then uh, climbs out of the gulch, grabs a rock, and then slams it down on its head repeatedly over and fucking over again until it crushes its own head. Back over to McPoyle and Logan, there by the fire, Dolores strolls up and she collapses in his arms. And we cut to black. So, another great episode, a third episode of the se of the se series so far. Um, you know, really good world building on it. Really good in terms of you know just kind of everything going on. It sets up a lot because now we're we're start we got Dolores and William together. So we're going to start on that journey here. So I will uh, make sure that I get these out a little bit quicker and a little bit closer. Uh, I really want to get through this series before I start to forget some of the more important aspects of, of the series here as a whole. So uh, with that, please go to questanetwork.com. Check out all the podcasts there. Uh, stay tuned to the end of the show to listen to a couple more of our little teasers for some of our other programs on the Questable Endeavor Network. See ya!
You like podcasts. Do you also like wrestling? If you do, you should check out the Rundown Wrestling Podcast. Every Thursday, some friends and I talk about the week that was in the WWE and TNA. We mostly mock TNA. But uh, we'll also predict pay-per-views. We'll make jokes. We'll make really, really terrible jokes. And every so often, we'll laugh at a dead person's expense. I apologize for that. But check out the Rundown every Thursday on the Questionable Endeavor Network. <laughs>